Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A couple of quick reminders, uh, you have until Sunday, July the 31st to nominate the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio in the Podcast Awards at podcastawards.com. Also, I do want to encourage you to check out our other podcasts in particular, I want to remind you about our Volume 1 podcast, where you can catch the earliest episodes from the first three seasons of The Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, with with episodes from our archives being added daily. You can uh, subscribe over at volume1.greatdetectives.net. Well now, it's time for today's episode of Mr. Chameleon, and we have two episodes that are... From January of 1951, so we'll start with today's original air date, January 17th, 1951, and the title is The Locked Room Murder Case. Next, Mr. Chameleon and The Locked Room Murder Case. Tonight, we again present the famous Mr. Chameleon of Central Police Headquarters in his famous cases of crime and murder. Brought to you by the makers of genuine Bayer aspirin and Philips Milk of Magnesia tablets. Mr. Chameleon, as you know, is the famous and dreaded detective who frequently uses a disguise to track down a killer. A disguise which at all times is recognized by the audience. Tonight, we give you Mr. Chameleon in The Locked Room Murder Case. 
scene opens in the home of a retired businessman, Harvey Watkins, who, while retired, still keeps a finger on his many business interests and operates an office in his home. And it is there that we find him angrily facing his confidential secretary, Arthur Finley, as he says the words that lead to a fantastic murder case. Finley, I've been going over your accounts. You're $5,000 short. There must be a mistake, Mr. Watkins. No, there's no mistake, Finley. You stole 5000 I want it back. I've taken a lot from you, Mr. Watkins. But you can't brand me a thief. You get that 5000 back before 3 o'clock this afternoon, or I'll have you jailed. Is that clear? Let me pay it back to you, Mr. Watkins, out of my salary. Hold out $100 every month. I said today, Finley. But I... Get out, Finley. 3 o'clock or jail. When you leave, ask my daughter, Rosalind, to come here. Here she is now, sir. Oh, come in here, Rosalind, and shut the door. Yes, Father, what is it? I just gave Arthur Finley until 3 o'clock to pay back $5,000 that he stole from me. Stole from you, Father? Why, that's awful. Rosalind, there's also some 20000 in bearer bonds missing from my strongbox. What? Do you think he stole those too, Father? No. You or your husband, one or the other, stole them. Bruce or I stole... What are you talking about, Father? I'm talking facts. You tidy up this room in the morning? That's because we haven't a maid now. I keep the whole house clean. We haven't a maid because you're too stingy to pay the current wages. Chances are you found the key to the strong box in my room, gave it to your husband, Bruce, and he used it to open the box and nip the bonds. This, this is fantastic. Find that husband of yours, Rosalind. I'll make him the same proposition I made Arthur Finley. Tell him to get those bonds back to me before three, or I'll have him jailed. But, Father... They've only been missing a couple of days. Chances are he hasn't cashed them yet. He never took them, Father. Bruce just wouldn't. You heard me, Rosalind. The bonds back before three, or jail for the both of you. Father, think what you're saying. Having your own daughter and her husband arrested as thieves... It's too horrible. It won't be if you return what you stole from me. Here by three or jail. Uh, stop slobbering, Rosalind. It's cold in here, Father. Shall I light the gas grate? You light out and tell your husband what I said. That's all you've got to worry about. All right, Father. Oh, oh, you, Mr. Fisher. Hello, Rosalind. Your father sent for me. I'll say I sent for you, Fisher. Come in. Mr. Fisher, please intervene with father for me. I've done it lots of times, Rosalind. What's up, my dear? Get out, Rosalind, and shut the door. Remember what I said. Yes, father. What's happened, Watkins, old man? You look ready to break a blood vessel. Now, listen, Fisher. I'm telling you this because I'm surrounded by a pack of thieves. Pack of thieves, Watkins? <laughs> You've had these ideas before. I <laughs> caught that confidential secretary of mine red-handed. Stole 5000 from me. Gave him till three this afternoon to make good or I'd have him jailed. Arthur Finley, you mean? By George. I'll take the responsibility for that. I hired him for you. Uh, forget it, Fisher. That's not the half. And my own daughter, Rosalind, and her husband, Bruce, snitched 20000 in bearer bonds from my strongbox. What do you say to that, Fisher? What would you do about that? I'd say Rosalind is your daughter. And that to err is human. And to forgive 
divine. That's because you're a soft-hearted old fossil. I gave them the same treatment I gave Arthur Finley. Return what they stole before three, or jail. No, not that, Watkins. You simply can't. I can, and I will, Fisher. And I'll tell you another thing. Any of the three, including my daughter, is capable of killing me. I know murder when I see it blazing from people's eyes. Let me try to straighten this out, Watkins, old man. Look before you leave. I am looking, Fisher. Ah, here's a letter I've written the police. If anybody kills me, you give it to them. Or, or better still, stick it in the mailbox when you leave. I'll not mail any such letter, Watkins. Do as I say and don't argue with me. I won't mail it. I said to look before you leap. Now it is exactly ten minutes before three o'clock, the hour set by Harvey Watkins to have the money he accused his secretary, Arthur Finley, of stealing returned to him or be jailed. And he dished out the same threat to his daughter, Rosalind, for her husband, Bruce, accusing them of stealing 20000 in bonds. Now we hear Rosalind saying, Bruce, do you smell anything in here? Smells like gas to me, Rosalind. That's what I thought. Rosalind. Bruce, what's wrong, Finley? Come quick. Gas is pouring out of Mr. Watkins' library from under the door. What? And I can't get in. The, the door is bolted tight. Bolted? Come on, we'll run outside and look in the window. I just hope Father isn't in there. He might be asphyxiated. Oh, here's the window. I, I'll try to lift you up, Finley, so you can look in. Okay, Bruce. Come on. Uh, here we are. Uh, there, I, I've got hold of the window ledge, Bruce. Steady now. Do you see anything, Mr. Finley? Your, your father. Your father, Rosalind. He, he slumped down before the door. I, I think he's dead. No, he can't be. I'll break the glass in. Hand me that rock, Bruce. Here. Thanks. <laughs> That'll let some of the gas out of the room. Is... Is father dead? Yes. I'm sure he is, Rosalind. Then he committed suicide. Call a doctor. I'll phone the police. Why the police, Finley? Because I think you and Rosalind killed him, Bruce. Killed him? What do you mean? How could we gas a man to death in a bolted room? Good afternoon. I'm comedian of the police. You called for us? Yes. My father committed suicide. Oh, please come in. Thank you. We had your call to that effect. I uh, take it that you are Rosalind Watkins Rogers? Yes. This is Detective Dave Arnold. How do you do, Mrs. Rogers? I... I can't understand why father should have ended his own life, Mr. Chameleon. Well, after your call reporting his suicide, Rosalind, we had a second call reporting that he was murdered. I don't understand. Detective Arnold and I do not investigate suicide cases, Rosalind. Only murders. Nobody could have murdered my father, Mr. Chameleon. He locked himself in his study, turned on the gas logs in the grate, and and died in there alone. The door is still locked. We couldn't get in. That's quite true, Mr. Chameleon. Oh, this is my husband, Bruce Rogers, Mr. Chameleon. How do you do, Bruce? That's the door there, Mr. Chameleon. Try it. 
You'll see it's bolted from inside. Well, I'll leave that to do, uh, Detective Arnold. Shall I smash it in? No, Dave. Uh, try your keys first. Okay, Mr. Chameleon. Hey. What do you think, Mr. Chameleon? I think the door was not bolted from the inside, as Bruce and Rosalind said, Dave, but locked from the outside by the murderer. What does that mean? If your father had locked himself in, Rosalind, Detective Arnold's key couldn't have entered the lock so easily. There's no key inside on the floor, Mr. Chameleon. I, I can't understand this. Nor can I, Mr. Chameleon. You wait here with your wife, Bruce. After Detective Arnold and I have seen the body and looked over the murder room, we may have something. Uh, there's the body, Mr. Chameleon. Died from gas, all right. See his color? Yes, Dave. I think I look over the gas grate. Well, well. The on and off lever has been tampered with, so the gas can't be turned off. And the damper to the chimney is dead shut. And that's not all, Mr. Chameleon. This murdered man was bashed on the head before he was bumped. What do you know? I know why I never believed in locked room murder mysteries, Dave. And that most murderers are stupid people. Sure, but where does that get us? Easy. Easy, Dave. I think I hear Bruce and Rosalind talking outside. Come, sneak over to the door. It's Mr. Chameleon. It's suspicious of us. It'll be because you told him that door was bolted instead of locked, Bruce. I know how to handle that, Rosalind. I'll tell him a few things when he comes out. Open the door, Dave. Well, Rosalind, your father did not kill himself. He was murdered. How unspeakable. Mr. Chameleon, I've been thinking about that locked door. You have, Bruce? The only person who could have locked Rosalind's father in there to die was his confidential secretary, Arthur Finlay. Really? Father gave him until 3 o'clock today to return $5,000 he'd stolen from him. And threatened him with jail if he didn't, Mr. Chameleon. That's what I was leading to. Why didn't you tell me this before? Why, I had no opportunity, Mr. Chameleon. Oh, oh, it's the phone. I'll answer it, Foswell. Hello, Chameleon of the police speaking. Oh, Chameleon, this is the commissioner. Oh, hello, Commissioner. Funny thing, Chameleon, but a special delivery letter just got here from the murdered man, Harvey Watkins. From the murdered man? Right. Want me to read it to you, Chameleon? Uh, no. Tell me what's in it, Commissioner. Well, the letter says he caught his confidential secretary stealing $5,000 from him. Yes, I know that already, Commissioner. He also says that his daughter, Rosalind, and her husband, Bruce Rogers, nipped 20000 in bearer bonds from him. What? Uh, go on, please. He says he gave them all until 3 o'clock today to make good. Or he'd have them jailed. And uh, follow this, Chameleon. What, Commissioner? The letter says he's afraid the daughter and husband, or the secretary, Arthur Finley, may murder him if they can't make good. Says he saw murder in all their eyes. Well, he saw it in somebody's eyes, Commissioner. Goodbye. Bye, Chameleon. Well, Bruce, that was the Commissioner of Police. The Police Commissioner, Mr. Chameleon? Yes, Rosalind. And it seems I have a pretty clear murder case against you and your husband. No. He's bluffing, Rosalind. Don't let him frighten you. Oh, come now. You stole 20,000 in bonds and had until 3 o'clock to return them to the murdered man or jail. That is no bluff. And your wife reported a phony suicide at precisely five minutes before 3. We never stole any bonds from Father. That was pure imagination on his part. Oh, come on. We've got a letter at police headquarters to prove that you did. Written by your murdered father. Oh, no. No. Pull them both in, Dave. Hold them under tension. Okay, Mr. Chameleon. 
That's the doorbell. Let me answer it, Mr. Chameleon. All right. Open it, Rosalind. Oh, Mr. Fisher. Mr. Fisher. This, this is Mr. Chameleon, the detective. Tell him Bruce and I didn't murder father. Of course you didn't, you poor child. I can explain everything to Mr. Chameleon, dear. Well, if you can, you're good, Mr. Fisher. Incidentally, who are you? My full name is Jazzle Fisher, Mr. Chameleon. I've been the partner of Rosalind's dead father some 30-odd years. And this dear child or her husband didn't kill him. Well, whether you think so or not, Mr. Fisher, I'm holding them on suspicion of murder. You won't hold them after I tell you what I know, Mr. Chameleon. You'd be making a fool of yourself, sir. And I'll tell you why. All right. Why, Mr. Fisher? My murdered partner, Harvey Watkins, got me out here this morning. This morning? Yes, Mr. Chameleon. He was in a state of fury. Why? He told me his confidential secretary, Arthur Finlay, was short $5,000 in his accounts. And he's given him until three today to make good. Yes, I know. Or he'd have him jailed. Exactly, Mr. Chameleon. Then he told me Rosalind and Bruce here had stolen some $20,000 in bonds from his strongbox. And that he'd given them until three to return the bonds. That is why I'm holding them on suspicion of murder, Mr. Fisher. But they didn't steal any bonds, Mr. Chameleon. Watkins later found the bonds in one of his desk drawers. Found them, you say? Yes. Dave, look through that desk in the murder room, please. Right away, Mr. Chameleon. I don't think Detective Arnold will find the bonds there, Mr. Fisher. Not there, Mr. Chameleon? Why not? Because of a letter the murdered man sent to police headquarters. What? Did Watkins mail that letter after all? He asked me to and I refused. He must have been completely insane. Chameleon! Here are the bonds. 20,000 even. Oh, thank heaven, Bruce. That leaves us out. You bet it does, Rosalind. Thanks to Mr. Fisher. It's uh, too early for thanks, Bruce and Rosalind. You're both still under suspicion of murder. Father's confidential secretary, Arthur Finley, killed him. I know he did. I know he did. Give me his address. Leave it to me to find out if he did. All I know is that you insisted your father had killed himself in a locked room when he actually was murdered. Mr. Chameleon and the locked room murder case continues in just a moment. More and more men and women who have suffered for years are finding that an amazing medication called Philips Tablets brings wonderfully fast and effective relief from upset stomach, gas, heartburn, and other distressing symptoms of acid indigestion. The relief you get by taking Philips Tablets is so quick that almost before you're aware of it, your acid indigestion distress is gone and you're feeling like a new person. The reason Philips Milk of Magnesia tablets work so quickly is they contain one of the fastest, most effective stomach sweeteners ever discovered. And because they taste so good, Philips tablets also bring you pleasant relief from acid indigestion. Their delightful peppermint flavor leaves your mouth so fresh and clean, lots of people find them as delightful to take as after-dinner mints. So next time acid indigestion causes you discomfort, let two or three flavorful Philips tablets melt in your mouth and you'll be amazed at how fast you get relief. Always carry Philips tablets with you to take after meals or wherever you may be when acid indigestion causes you distress. Pocket-sized tins of 30 tablets cost only 25 cents. Ask for Philips tablets.
And now back to Mr. Chameleon and the locked room murder case. When Harvey Watkins, a wealthy retired businessman, is found dead in his study with a door locked and the room filled with gas, Mr. Chameleon discovers that Watkins' own daughter, Rosalind, and her husband, Bruce Rogers, might have murdered him. But now, shortly after, we find Mr. Chameleon and Detective Arnold confronting Arthur Finley, the murdered man's confidential secretary, in his modest flat. And we hear Mr. Chameleon say, Finley, I wonder if you realize you are giving me one of the most ridiculous stories that I've ever heard. A kid just learning to walk wouldn't fall for that one, Finley. I'm telling the truth, Detective Arnold. Oh, come now, Finley. Are you trying to make us believe that 5,000 cash you've got there was lent you by a friend? To make good the 5000 you stole from your murdered employer, Harvey Watkins? Mr. Chameleon, I didn't steal, embezzle, or make off with a cent of Mr. Watkins' money. Oh, now, let's not be too ridiculous, Finlay. Why go back to Watkins' house to make good 5000 you didn't steal from him? It's nuts on the face of it. I tell you, rather than get pinched for a crime I didn't commit, I, I borrowed the 5000 to give Mr. Watkins. Oh, come on. I knew he'd give it back to me when he found out that my accounts were straight, Mr. Chameleon. So just as you were entering the house, you smelled gas, found the door to Mr. Watkins' room locked. That's what I said. I, I ran and called Bruce Rogers and his wife, Rosalind. We ran outside and I, I smashed in the window and saw him dead. Why didn't you unlock the door in the first place, Finlay? You had a key to the murder room, didn't you? Oh, I didn't have the key with me. I, I, I left it here. Who loaned you this 5,000, Finlay? My mother. Where is your mother? Here? I... I lied about that. My mother is dead, Mr. Chameleon. But I won't tell you where I got the money. Oh, you won't, won't you? Never mind, Dave. Come along. We put men up for murder on less likely stories than this bird's. You can't put me there, Mr. Chameleon. I'm telling the truth. Well, I've caught you in one lie... Tell me, did Bruce Rogers give you this money? What? Him? Why, he killed Mr. Watkins himself. Okay, Finlay, that's all for now. Let's go, Dave. Goodbye, Finlay. But don't get the idea that I finished with you. Oh, brother, what a cockeyed story that guy gave us, Mr. Chameleon. He's near enough to the electric chair to be singed by the sparks, Dave. I'll say he is. The whole case hinges on whether his accounts on the murdered man's books were off to the tune of 5,000 or not. Yeah, I get you, Mr. Chameleon. Now, I'll get back to headquarters, Dave, and start the wheels turning to find that out. Well, uh, what about me? Where do I go? Back to the murder house, Dave. Sneak in if you can and look for any clues that indicate who turned off the main gas line to the house near the meter. Hey, so that's why there wasn't much gas coming out of the grate in the murder room. Oh, what a dope I am. It was probably turned off by the murderer. Afraid, perhaps, that somebody might snap on a switch or light a match and blow up the house. And now, one hour later at Central Police Headquarters, we hear Detective Dave Arnold saying... Well, that turned out to be another dead end, Mr. Chameleon. The gas was shut off near the meter, all right. But otherwise, there wasn't a single clue. Get anything yourself on Arthur Finley's books? Well, I found out they seem to be in order, Dave. Didn't take you long, Mr. Chameleon. No, Mr. Fisher, the murdered man's partner, put me straight on that point. But uh, that doesn't mean that Finley isn't our man. No, but if he is, that lets out Bruce Rogers and his wife, Rosalind, the victim's daughter. Nobody's out, Dave. 
Well, then who did it, Mr. Chameleon? Well, when I get out there disguised as a gas fitter named Al Hicks in the next hour, Dave... Well, I... you want me to get everybody out to the murder house now? Yes, Dave. Especially Finlay, the young secretary. Mr. Fisher is going to be there waiting for you. Uh, come in while I'm getting on my disguise. I'll tell you what part you play, then. Okay. But I sure wish I knew who we're coming out with, Mr. Chameleon. I think I do, Dave. But it'll take some fancy footwork to pin the killer down. And shortly after, we see Mr. Chameleon in his disguise as Al Hicks, gas fitter in greasy coveralls, about to enter the murder house, and we hear him saying... Uh, Dave, before we go in, here's the voice of my disguise. That the gas grate Mr. Chameleon wants me to look at, Detective Arnold? Uh-huh. I got you, Mr. Chameleon. Okay, now I'll open the door. Who is this man, Detective Arnold? He happens to be a gas fitter, Bruce. Name of Al Hicks. A gas fitter? A gas fitter? Yes, that's right, Rosalind. Is uh, that the gas grape Mr. Chameleon wants me to look over, Detective Arnold? Yes, it is, Mr. Hicks. So start moving, will you? Uh, Mr. Chameleon wants me to find out is if the off-and-on lever has been tampered with. Well... Has it been, Hicks? Don't take an expert like Al Hicks to tell you that, Detective Arnold. Look at it yourself. Been fixed so it can't be turned off. Gas would keep coming no matter what you did. It hasn't been tampered with. Certainly it hasn't, Bruce. You're saying that, Rosalind, because your husband Bruce murdered your father. I saw Bruce fooling it with it myself this morning. Well, if you did, why didn't you tell me that this afternoon, Arthur Finlay? I forgot it until this moment. Say... You're not a gas fitter. You're Mr. Chameleon in disguise. Well, that's right. That's right. I'm Chameleon. So you saw Bruce Rogers fix this gas grate so the gas couldn't be turned off, Finley. I suspected as much myself. Oh, Bruce. Bruce, how could you? Bruce didn't, Rosalind, you poor child. Now, don't accuse your husband. Think what you're saying, my dear. Arthur Finley, your father's secretary, murdered him and then locked the door to deceive the police. You're a liar, Fisher. I didn't, Mr. Chameleon. Finley, who gave you that 5000 I found you with this afternoon? Now, answer fast. Nobody gave it to me. It, it was the money I stole from Mr. Watkins. But I'm not taking a murder rap for it. His son-in-law, Bruce, killed the old man. Mr. Chameleon, isn't that exactly what I told you? Isn't it evident Finley murdered my partner, Harvey Watkins, and now is trying to place the crime on these innocent young people, Bruce and Rosalind? Oh, Mr. Fisher, you're the kindest man I ever met. <laughs> I don't think he is, Rosalind. Mr. Fisher killed your father. But What's that, Chameleon? I killed him. Well, you've lost your head. I told you exactly what happened. You told me exactly nothing, Fisher. You told me that Finley's accounts were in order. That's what I believed at the time, Chameleon. You didn't believe anything of the sort, Fisher. You told me Finley's accounts were straight because your own were crooked. M my account's crooked, Chameleon. Ridiculous. Ever hear of the police auditors, Fisher? Here is their report. You drained your trusting partner of everything he had. Arthur Finley, his secretary, murdered him. That's what I got the flash on you in the first place, Fisher. When Rosalind Hare was saying that her father was a suicide, you said nothing about suicide. Why should I have, Chameleon? Because you knew it was murder. That's why. Those are guesses, Chameleon, and guesses don't hold up in court. Give me that key you have to the locked murder room, Fisher, or I'll throw you on the floor and take it from you. Quick, now let's have it. 
All right. Here they are, Chameleon. I'd like to kill you. Don't try it, Fisher. Don't try it. You put those bonds Detective Arnold found back in the murdered man's desk, hit him over the head from behind, and then turned on the gas, locked the door, and left the room, right? If I confess, will it help me get a lighter sentence, Chameleon? Confess or not, you'll get the chair, Fisher. Dave, take him. The case of the locked room is over. And how, Mr. Chameleon? And with these words, Mr. Chameleon concludes tonight's murder case. At the first sign of a cold, before you do anything else, take Bayer aspirin. When you have a cold, it's almost invariably accompanied by a headachey, feverish feeling and muscular aches and pains. And it's important that you treat these symptoms with a medication that will relieve them quickly. Bayer aspirin will do this. No matter how you try to stop or shorten a cold, we believe your own doctor will tell you this is sound advice. When you use Bayer aspirin, you'll discover that it's ready to go to work in two seconds. This is one reason why it brings you amazingly quick relief, makes you feel better fast. In addition, Bayer aspirin's single active ingredient is so gentle to the system, doctors prescribe it even for small children. That's why it's been used by millions of normal people without ill effect. So at the first sign of a cold, before you do anything else, take Bayer aspirin. And when you buy, ask for Bayer aspirin, not just for aspirin alone. Get the 100-tablet bottle and you get Bayer aspirin tablets for less than a penny apiece. next Wednesday night at this same time for Mr. Chameleon, the man of many faces, in The Shocking Revenge Murder Case. The part of Mr. Chameleon is played by Carl Swenson, with dialogue written by Frank Hummert from the original story by Frank and Anne Hummert. It is directed by Richard Leonard, with music by Victor Arden. Your announcer is Howard Claney. You may not notice it, but a gradual loss of whiteness and brightness in your teeth robs your smile of beauty. So if you've been trying to prevent tooth decay in the last year by changing your way of cleaning teeth and your smile has faded, use a dentifrice that not only helps prevent tooth decay, but also whitens and brightens your teeth, really cleans them. And no dentifrice cleans teeth like powder. Try Dr. Lyon's tooth powder, and if you don't agree that it gets your teeth cleaner than your present dentifrice, whitens and brightens them so your smile sparkles with all its old-time luster, return the package and your money will be refunded. Get either regular or ammoniated Dr. Lyon's Tooth Powder. Listen for Mr. Chameleon in The Shocking Revenge Murder Case next Wednesday night at this time. Thank you.
CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back. Well, it's interesting to have Mr. Chameleon take the stand that criminals are stupid. And I think that it's definitely a case where I don't think Mr. Chameleon's criminals are quite as inept as those on Philo Vance. But they are pretty inept. Uh, but I, I, I can appreciate and respect the idea of just kind of owning that and turning it into a, you know, stated benefit. Hey, if you want to see crime and criminals portrayed as stupid and send that message to society and the youth of today, Mr. Chameleon's a great show to listen to. Now, taking that stance that criminals are stupid does have a drawback because, you know, it can lead to lazy writing because you're like, you know, I don't need to make this a battle of wits. Criminals are dumb. So my plots don't need to make sense, but you know, it's certainly uh, an interesting approach to take. And, of course, you have the, you know, reference to the locked room mystery not really being something realistic, and there is a point to that. Now, it should be noted that Tales of the Texas Rangers, and I think Dragnet also, you know, somewhere along its history, I forget whether it's radio or television, did actually feature a locked room mystery, but those things are rare in life. They are, you know, the locked room mystery is, uh, you know, a puzzle. And an often overly elaborate one that's uh, impractical. Uh, you know, that's the case with the Kennel Murder case, uh, the Philo Vance book, which I, I really enjoyed. But the solution was practically comical as you just kind of imagine all of these incidents occurring that set up the lockroom uh, mystery in that book. Now, of course, it's weird to have Mr. Chameleon dunking on unrealistic mysteries, but it was 1951, and I think that folks were generally wanting uh, more realistic mysteries, and I guess it made sense to the Hummerts to give a nod to that, even though Mr. Chameleon and their other, you know, mystery shows that they had on the air at the time had their own uh, problems with realism as well. All right, well, listener comments and feedback now. And uh, we have a comment on YouTube from Art who writes, Mr. Chameleon is a police officer, not a private detective, yet unlike uh, police officers, other police officers in the show, he is never addressed according to his rank, uh, e.g. sergeant, detective, lieutenant, only as Mr. Chameleon. Why? Also, uh, when referring to 
where a crime is taking place, he invariably calls it the murder room as opposed to using the more typical crime scene or murder scene. That always irritates me. Taking the second one first, it's a bit antiquated, but I have heard murder room used in other uh, radio programs. Though not at the level of repetition that we get in uh, Mr. Chameleon of the term. In terms of address, I did mention this in another episode that this wasn't exactly unprecedented. When uh, Dick Tracy was created and first came to newspapers, he was never given a specific rank. Uh, now, I'm certain this was rectified in later years, particularly since, you know, Max Allen Collins, a great crime writer, ended up writing the Dick Tracy uh, strips for a number of years. But there were several uh, mediums where someone was identified as being on the police force, but their specific rank wasn't given, even though other people's ranks were given. If you want to be concerned about realism, I'm more concerned about the role the commissioner plays in this show, honestly. Because he's the commissioner of police. And, you know, this is recorded in New York, so I assume it's set in New York. And you have the commissioner of police uh, essentially playing gopher on every wealthy person being murdered, a case that Chameleon takes, or even upper-middle-class person getting murdered, and, you know, playing communications and providing lab reports. Why is the commissioner of police of New York City, with tens of thousands of people under him, so concerned in every little case that Chameleon takes? But Art, I do appreciate the comment, and those are some fair points, so I, I think they're, I guess, a little more just era-specific and things that do pop up in uh, entertainment from this era. But again, thanks so much for the comment. Now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Helen, Patreon supporter since June of 2015, currently supporting us at the Chief of Detective level of $30 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, Helen. And that will do it for today. A reminder, if you are enjoying this podcast, please rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. And remember to nominate the podcast in the Podcast Awards, podcastawards.com, before July 31st. We're entered in the Arts and Best Male Hosted Podcast category. Well, we'll be back next Tuesday with our final episode of Mr. Chameleon for now. But join us back here for Dangerous Assignment, where... You know where it is? Why, I think I can find it, sir. Okay. When you get me to the hotel, wait for me. I'll want you to take me out to that villa. I will be very happy to, sir. Hello, Carl. This is Hanson speaking. I've just brought Mitchell to the Koenig Hotel from the airport. I'm waiting for him now. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't suspect me. He thinks I'm just a cab driver. He wants me to take him to Buna's villa, so he's after file 307, all right. Now listen, Carl, there is a Max Reber who runs the carnival. They might be working together. If Mitchell tries to contact Reber, you know what to do. <laughs> ¶¶
might be the villa you are looking for, sir. It is the only one with a high wall near here. Well, that must be it, then. Okay, here you are. Oh, I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.